Good morning, 1910 Church family. How are you guys this morning? I see some students. Are you guys alive and well after a sim camp? Awesome. You came back revved up, on fire, ready for us to catch it, right? Okay, we're excited. We're so glad to have you guys in the house this morning. And y'all, I just, I love this song that we just sang. I love when we get to worship together. And I have to tell you, I believe that God's plan today is to light up some shadows. I believe he's gonna climb up some mountains. I believe he is gonna chase us down this morning, that he has an incredible plan. And we're gonna get to revel in his reckless love. You know, I I wonder, do you guys believe this? Yes. Yes. Then that settles it forever. It just does. If you believe this, then that settles it forever. And this word, God's word says that love covers a multitude of sins. Says that love casts out all fear. Says that God is love. That's the atmosphere we're in this morning. So no matter what you walked in with, no matter what he uncovers this morning, you need to know you're in a safe place and you're loved. Today's gonna be incredible. And Pastor Chach did a great job of challenging us to pray for Pastor Jason and Pastor Angie. And so I just want us to take that challenge right now. Would you guys just pray with me for, for them? Father, we just thank you so much for our lead pastor, Jason Brown, and his wife, Angie. God, we thank you for the ways that they love you and it shows. Thank you, God, for the ways that they pour out. Thank you, God, for how they love this church family. And so, God, we just join with you in agreement, praying that you would protect their family, God, that you would strengthen their family, Lord, that in these moments on vacation, there would be um, memory-making moments, joy and belly laughs and just good times of refreshment and renewal. And we pray, God, that they come back so lit up, God, that it just takes us to a, a new place. God, thank you for them. Bless them in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. I wanna also welcome our online community. If you're joining us today, I want you to drop a line and tell us where you're from. We are so glad that you're joining us as well. We're continuing today in our uh, our Restore series, and we're looking at areas of life where we experience brokenness, areas of life that are flawed, areas of life that aren't operating the way that God intended. But then, we're also gonna focus on the good news on the restorer. You see, God intends for everything to be restored. It's what he wants. He wants it brought back to its original intention and it's good for us. So today, as we continue on in the Restore series, we're gonna talk about restoration of the family, of the family. Now I need you to know that Joel, my husband, and I have been praying over this message and praying for you, and I'm not bringing this message to you from a holy hill where I've got this thing all figured out, right? I am actually bringing you this message. You can actually picture humble pie just right here, just right here, okay? Pie on my face. I am bringing this to you with complete humility. We have been married for almost 15 years. We have two beautiful kids and we love our family, but, but we need Jesus, <laughs> right? 
like anybody else in the house of their family. Some days, some days, amen. Some days we'll be in the midst of it and I just start saying, Jesus, Jesus, you gotta help me. And I, I say it out loud and they know in that moment, they just know, they just know. So I also want you to know that no matter what your family history or your current family circumstances are, God has a word for you today. I am very aware that we have some incredible singles and single parents in the house today. We have parents who, who have a hurting child, a rebellious child. We have couples who simply want a child. And we have parents who are just bone tired because of a child, right? Amen? And then we have some mighty men and women of God who are widowers and widows, and we are so glad that you are here and we are so grateful for the wisdom that you have to offer. I'm also aware that there are people in the house today that are just struggling. Maybe you're in the midst of a separation or a stage of divorce. Or maybe you're struggling in your marriage and you're wanting reconciliation and you just don't know how to get there. God knows and he sees and he cares. And I believe that he wants restoration to occur today. You see, God is for you <laughs> and he's for your family. And here's the deal, family just isn't easy because it involves people. And if we're really honest, a lot of times it's not easy because of us, <laughs> right? Sometimes we're the most difficult part of it anyways. It makes me think of a story that I love about a little boy named Liam. After his little baby brother was dedicated at church, they were driving home and Liam was just sobbing in the car the whole way home. And so his daddy was asking him, Liam, what's wrong? And after three times of asking him, Liam finally said, that pastor said that he wants us brought up in a Christian home, but I wanna stay with you guys. <laughs> yeah. Good thing he didn't say that in front of the pastor. Now here's the deal, maybe he didn't understand the meaning of the word Christian. Or maybe he's like a lot of Christians who don't understand the makings or the meaning of a Christian home, right? You know, it's funny the conversations I get to have where people actually think of some of the pastors, like some people actually think that Pastor Chach sings, um, his wife Megan sings her love songs as they go to bed each night. Yeah. Some people actually think that Pastor Todd like does full on skits for his family like before dinner. Now, he might actually do that. <laughs> Pastor Cha-Cha, anyways. So, I would just say, even if we think we know what a Christian home should look like, the truth still remains that family just isn't perfect. We all have dysfunction, and yet by God's good grace, we are all destined to glorify him. And you know what? We can be encouraged because it's God who created the concept of family. 
It wasn't some man along the way that created family. God created the concept of family and he created your family and he actually put you in it. And he created this church family. You guys, God loves and has a plan for the family. The Bible makes it clear actually that God has an incredible plan for all that he's created. If we look at Romans verse, uh, chapter one, verse 20, it says, for ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly, um, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and his divine nature. So they have, don't miss this last part. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. You know, when we look at creation, we can be put in a state of awe. At night when you go out and you look at the stars, they can simply be breathtaking. Psalm 147 tells us that God knows the number of stars and he actually calls them each by name. So in the stars, we see that our God is beyond capable. There's billions of stars and yet he doesn't lose track of one. He's caring because he knows them each by name, all the billions of them. And he is a God of light because even in the midst of darkness, he's given us moon and stars to give us reprieve, but also to act as a guide. We think about the ocean and it's mesmerizing. It's movement and it's sound. And we see God's creativity with all the creatures that fill it. We witness his power, but also his restraint, right? As the waves can be both mighty and majestic. I could go on and on, but in nature, we actually get to see what God is like and kind of who he is. He's strategic in that way. He has a plan for all that he's made. He even has a plan in this that you're gonna get to see. This is a picture that we took on July 4th and I believe it's coming up here in just any second. And it is right there. God has a plan even in that. That is our family, July 4th. And you know what, even in taking, like July 4th, it's supposed to be a party, like fun times. And even in this, there were some difficult moments. (laughs) So our little one, Barrett, our son, he thought that that sign was for him. Yeah, I know. And so he ran off. There was a moment of meltdown, a moment of discipline, and then we got the small makings of a smile, and I just counted it as a big win, okay? So I'm just convinced that there is encouragement in the fact that God has a plan for the family, because some days I need to know that he has a plan. Amen? So what is God's plan for the family? I would tell it to you this way, that God's plan for the family is for it to be a picture of God's love and for it to establish his presence on the earth, right? We are to be a picture of his love and we are to establish his presence on the earth. There is no higher calling and you guys, there is no harder calling. But the good thing is, is that we were never meant to do it apart from God. You see, from the beginning of time, the family on earth was actually meant to reflect God's family in heaven. 
I wanna show you something. If you were to read through Genesis 1 and the six days of creation, you would find that God says some form of let there be in all that he creates each day. So day one, we read let there be light and there was light. And then day two, we read let there be an expanse or space and there was sky. But something changes when we get to Genesis 1.26. It's a little different. He actually calls a family meeting and he says this, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. You see, us represents God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which we call the Trinity. And they were all present during creation. You see all these things he's creating just come out of his creative nature. But in the moment he creates man and woman, he calls together the family. And then they get intimate and they start to form and fashion and God breathes life into mankind. It's intimate, it's relational. And you know what, God has been relational from the beginning of time. Contrary to popular belief, he did not create us because he was lonely. He's always been in perfect, harmonious, unified relationship with Jesus' Son and the Holy Spirit. We were created, you guys, to bear his image, to experience relationship with him, and the family was supposed to re reflect the kind of relationship that we see in the Trinity. If we were gonna draw a picture of God, it would not just look like one person. It would look like a family. <laughs> Maybe not my family all the time, but it would look like a family. And especially when we're unified with the Lord. You see, in the Trinity, we see God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit unified. It's important to know we see them respecting honoring and elevating each other. There was not one moment of self-reliance or self-exaltation or elevation. There wasn't one moment where one of them tries to control the other. I wanna give you a picture of what their relationship looks like through the word. In Matthew 17, five, God says of Jesus, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. See, we see honor and respect we see love. God has put all things, Ephesians 1.22, under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. Again, he's elevating. Then Jesus says of God the Father in John 14.31, he says, but I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. Wouldn't we want, dads, don't you want your children to say that of you? John 10, 30, Jesus says, the Father and I are one, they're unified in heart and in purpose. And then we have this verse in John 14, 26, it gives us some insight into the Holy Spirit. It says, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, this is Jesus talking, 
that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. See, there's unity. The Spirit is coming from the Father and he's reminding um, people whom he inhabits of everything Jesus has taught. The Holy Spirit is the one who, who came on Jesus and then his ministry was ignited, right? He's the finger of God. He's the power. There is such unity and respect and honor in the midst of these relationships. And you know what? In the beginning, Adam and Eve had this kind of relationship. There was no pride, no fear, no shame, no blame. They were united with a combined purpose. Let's look a little bit more at that purpose. Okay, Genesis 1.28 tells us, it says, then God blessed them and he said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. In other words, take charge of it, people. <laughs> the people of God are supposed to be leaders in culture and in every area of society, amen? All right, good. He says, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. You see, God didn't want Adam and Eve just to have children because it was something fun for them to do or because he wanted them to grow their own empire. That wasn't his plan. He wanted for them and he wants for us to fill the earth with his image bearers. This is the exciting part because as we grow up image bearers of God, then we actually get to partner with him, with our family and with him to bring heaven to earth to establish his presence here. It's supposed to overwhelm the earth. But the reality of that, you guys, rises and falls on the state of the family. The state of the family in our own homes and the state of the family in the church. Now, when we think of filling the earth with his image bearers, that can mean physical children whom we are called to disciple, to raise up as followers of Jesus. Now, come on, parents. If we do not teach our children, right, to love God, then the world will teach them not to. Amen. One way or another, they will have a teacher. And I just gotta say, I, I am so excited and could not be more proud that you guys right here, our students, fill the front row. So proud of the way that you guys worship. You are image bearers of Christ and you're doing it well. And we are so proud to be a part of your family and the family of God. Now, all of this sounds great, right? I wanna also challenge us. Maybe you're um, single or maybe you don't have kids or maybe your kids are out of the house or just for all of us, we are called to raise up spiritual children right? We are called to grow the family of God. So none of us get out on this family deal. Now, this all sounds like an excellent plan. Good job, God. God himself said it was very good. <laughs> but where are we at today? What is the reality of where we're at in the family today? You guys, I could drag out all kinds of statistics that show the situations in families today, but I think we're all pretty aware we constantly face a parade of divorce or uncoupling, thank you, Gwyneth Paltrow, or sexual rebellion, porn addiction, drug abuse, mental illness, gen gender confusion, uh, female liberation at the cost of male emasculation, 
We see all these things happening and they're affecting our families. Our families are a part of that. And with the rise of technology, our kids are faced with things that are causing us to have to have those awkward and hard conversations earlier and more frequent. And here's maybe one of the biggest things and maybe one of the roots of it. Our schedules are hectic, y'all. And as a result, our communication with each other, along with taking time to have teachable moments in our family, are on the decline. While the, the rise is on for the pressure of the family. And as a result, we see disconnection with each other and disconnection with God. Is that really where we wanna be? You know, as people, we have the same pains in life that have always existed. But now we have a lot of choices in how to cope with that pain. And we're seeing it cause wreckage over and over and over again in our generational lines. And so if you were to say there's a problem, how are you gonna fix that problem? You're gonna go to the source of it, right? We know that the source of all pain is sin. Those moments of distrust and disobedience to a perfect God that cause separation between him and us. And we know that Adam and Eve are the ones who allowed that to happen in the first place, even though they had it so good. In one moment, Eve believed the lie from the enemy that God was holding out on her, that there was something good she couldn't have. And so she decided to take control. And she decided to take what she thought she wanted. And Adam, you know what guys? He was there the entire time. And he went along with it. And the Bible tells us that for the first time there was shame and then what comes out of shame is blame. And God gives consequences, those things that come as a result of our sin. And so we read in Genesis 3.16 what one of those consequences is. This is God talking to Eve and he says, and you will desire to control your husband. This doesn't describe any women in here, right? <laughs> yeah, I can say come on to my own life. Thank you, Jesus, help me. But he will rule over you. Okay, so, so hold up for one second. And rule right there actually means to dominate, to dominate. So hold up, do we think that this is God's plan? Does this match what we were reading and learning about earlier for God's intention of the family? No, this is not God's plan. But I am willing to bet, I am willing to bet that every marriage in here has experienced this kind of scenario. And I just wonder, how's it working out for you? How's it working out? John Piper helps us to understand this verse. He explains it this way. He says, when, you're, uh, when it says, your desire shall be for your husband, it means that when sin has the upper hand in woman, she will desire to overpower or subdue or exploit man. And when sin has the upper hand in man, he will respond in like manner. And with his strength, subdue her or rule over her. We see this scenario all the time. And over time, we can see another scenario where one in the, the couple or in the family actually fades away into passivity or apathy. And that's not God's plan either. It's just not. 
Now men, as a leader here at 1910 who is female, I want to pause and say that as a church family, we honor you. We honor you. You are needed. You are needed here at our church. Your families need you. Our society needs you. And just as God is head of the Trinity and Jesus is head of the church, you are the head of your households. And we want to elevate you in that. We want to encourage you in that. We want to encourage you in the role. You know, God says in Ephesians 5, women um, respect their husbands, men die for your wives. But in reality, later in scripture, he tells us all to die, to d deny ourselves, to consider others better than ourselves, right? When that happens, when you are the head of your household under God, not in a, in a meaning to dominate, but in submission to God, your household will have a greater sense of peace. I wanna liberate you from something. Being the head of your household doesn't mean that you have to have more biblical knowledge than your wife. It doesn't mean that you have to be a five-star leader. It just means that you need to be in pursuit of God. You are not expected to be perfect, but you are called to be in pursuit. Women, if you missed Pastor Jason's incredible sermon encouraging women two weeks ago, you need to go and listen to it. But I would encourage us all that men and women, we are not competitors. We are co-laborers for the cause of Christ. And what an incredible lesson to teach our sons and daughters. When we often hear things like, from elementary school students, like boys rule and girls drool, or girls are running around singing, girls run the world. I wonder, instead of harmonious relationships where there's humility, honor, and elevation of the other that we see in the Trinity, instead of being focused on our family's purpose of governing the earth and establishing the kingdom here, you guys, we're often more focused on governing each other and on setting up our own kingdoms. And we're missing it. We are missing it. And in case you think this is just between man and woman, husband and wife, hold up. Because what happens is they had children and those two boys. And the same issue happened. A lack of humility, an increase of pride, one wanting to rule over the other. And I can tell you this, between Cain and Abel, there was wreckage. There was wreckage. Now I want you to think back to the pictures in the beginning and to the purpose of the family. I'm gonna tell you again, we were made to be image bearers, so here's the question. Is your family a picture of the world to God? Or is your family a picture of God to the world? Something incredible to think about, I wanna encourage you again and tell you, no person and no family is perfect. There are stains on all of our pictures. There are areas of our families that no filter can hide or blur out people. And yet, there's hope. Jesus is our hope, and he's the promiser, promiser of restoration. Restoration means this, the act of returning something back to its original intent. Now, if you break something, what do you do with it? I know a lot of you probably Google, 
but the most efficient thing would be to take it back to the manufacturer, right? And for far too long, you guys and our families, we see an issue and we're trying to either cope or trying to fix it. But we need to take it back to the, cre- the one who created families in the first place. We need to take it back and receive the restoration that he wants. And while we can all probably think of different people or different areas of our families that need restoration, I believe that God is saying today, let it begin with you. And so let me show you what this looks like. You see, life throws us some curveballs, and more than not, it's our family or family situations that are the pitchers. But instead of letting those things bounce off of us, we often want to hold on to them or at least have them close. And so they change us, they change, they, they shape us, and they change our view of God. And so a ball comes at us. And we have examples all across the room like this. My mom, she always criticized me. She never supported me. Nothing I ever did was right. And so I carry bitterness and insecurity. And you know, my dad, my dad had an affair. And so now that I'm married, I wonder, can I, can I trust my husband? I think if I just could figure out how to put a tracker on his car and watch everything that he does, maybe we'll be okay. And so I carry fear and control. And then there are situations like my sister. She's always been the favorite. I was never good enough in our family. I was always, I, I, never, I never won anything. She was always the favorite. And so I just carry this rejection and carry anger. I feel unworthy. Hold on, I gotta have it, I gotta have it. No, no, no. I can't lose, I can't, I can't lose a hurt. I need this around. This is a part of me. This, this is that moment where my uncle sexually abused me. That uncle that was my favorite, the one I thought I could trust. And so I carry shame. I'll never be worthy. I don't have any value. And you know what happens? Our, our hands become full and our, our arms are tied up and our hearts are weighed down and we can no longer receive what God has for us and it's really hard for us to give what our families need or what they want. And after a while, what we think we're holding actually is the thing that's holding us. And it's holding us back and it's holding us in bondage and it's keeping us from our destiny. And the the pains, the pains that these situations causes, these situations cause, we just cope and we control and we become self-reliant. We become one who self-elevates. We make decisions that are best for us, regardless of what it will do to our families. And as with any family, life just doesn't stop Things just keep happening. And so there's another moment where my husband, he's just a paycheck. Like I do everything. 
And so I'm resentful. I'm angry. And I withhold affection. And, and there comes a time when, when we can't contain it all. Like our wreckage is just out there for everyone to see. But, but we sure enough want it close. <laughs> so when that thing happens, I can bring out that feeling and I can use it when I want it. And then life just continues to happen. And husbands, you may be in a situation where you think, my wife doesn't ever think anything I do is good enough. Nothing I ever do is good enough. And so I walk in apathy and I'm defensive. Or maybe your parents and you have that moment where you're like, oh gosh, there is rebellion. There's rebellion. My kids are walking in rebellion and they're ruining our reputation and they're hurting our family. And I feel like a failure. I feel alone. I feel judged. And so there's these moments where these things are happening and it's, it's covering our house, it's filling our house. And you know what happens is that our spouse and our children, they get to the point where they feel like they have to tiptoe around our wreckage or they end up tripping over it. Or worse yet, one of them picks it up and carries it as their own. And it continues into their family and beyond that. And the wreckage grows. But God, I need to hear you say it. <laughs> but God, <laughs> he's the restorer and he wants to bring everything back to his original plan. But we have to be willing to invite it. We have to be willing to let him in. And you need to know that restoration is God's desire, but it is your decision. He wants to give it, but you have to be ready to receive it. Do I look ready? <laughs> Do I look like I can receive anything right now? No. So when you get tired of holding all these balls and when you're ready to move from wreckage to restoration, here's what you do. You take all these things and you go, God, I'm ready. And I want to repent, repent. Repent means to change your mind in a way that changes your actions. And so you come to a place where you're like, this is not, this is not how I wanna be. But God, you're good, and I believe you're good, and your love is unconditional. And so I'm gonna come over here and I'm gonna give you all of this. I'm gonna change my mind about who I am because I want to believe that my identity is in you. And I wanna pick up all these things because I don't want my children to trip over them. I don't want my husband to pick this up and become resentful back towards me. And so I change my mind and I say, I don't want it anymore. I don't want to be held back anymore. I want to be freed up. And so I change my mind and I change my direction and I give it all to him. And I'm just praying, I'm just praying that today someone says, I'm ready to believe who God says I am. I'm praying today that someone says, I ask for forgiveness for the sins of my life that I'm ready to forgive others. I'm praying that today someone says, I want to receive what God has for me. And you know what happens? Now my hands are open. 
Now my arms are, are able to extend and my heart is lightened. And so once we repent, then we can ask God to replace. With open hands and open hearts, I'm gonna ask God to release and repent, release all the bitterness from my life and help me forgive. Instead of fear, today you can get trust. Instead of control, you can surrender. You can let him remove the spirit of rejection and have him replace it with a spirit of acceptance. He can take all the shame and give you purity. He can take all the resentment, the apathy, the feelings of failure and replace it with joy and passion and value and life. You see, with God, you never give up something where you don't get something greater in return. Amen. So we repent that moment when we come and we sit at our daddy's feet and we just give it all. And we replace, we ask him to replace and give us all the, the difference, all the, the goodness, the essence of his love. And then we're able to reconcile. Reconcile means to restore relationship, to have harmony with other people. We can't have that unless we're reconciled to God first. And so the beginning of reconciliation may look like you giving up control and walking in surrender. It may look like you forgiving someone or asking for forgiveness. You just need to remember that you're only responsible for you. And so you, if, if that other person in the relationship is not ready to respond in the same way, then you give them to God, but you walk in freedom. Reconciliation. See, when we have alignment with God and alignment with others, incredible things happen. See, alignment unleashes assignment. Alignment with God and alignment with our family at home and our family of God unleashes incredible assignment. Things we could never do on our own might actually be the moment where we can show God's love and establish His presence in a way that would overtake the earth. Repent, replace, and reconcile. It's the road to reconciliation. Restoration is God's desire, but it's your decision. So I'm gonna ask one last time, will it begin with you? Would you guys just stand with me? Our prayer team, our prayer ministry team is gonna come up here and they're ready to receive you and to minister to you and to pray with you. I want you to know God wants restoration in your life right now, right now. He wants it for you. And so I would just ask, do you wanna begin a relationship with Jesus today? That's the first step. And do you want to get on the road to restoration for your family? Don't waste another minute. And for all of us in this moment, we're gonna to stand together as a church family. And I'm gonna ask you to lift your hands to God 
in a moment of faith and worship and pray in agreement with me. Father, thank you for creating the family. Thank you for not only having a plan for the family, but having, thank you for having a restoration plan for the family. Thank you for allowing us to call you Abba, Daddy. Thank you for being the perfect heavenly Father. We believe God in faith that right now you're taking people from wreckage to restoration. That in families you're taking what's broken and you're gonna make it beautiful that you'll take the torn and you'll make them a team. You'll unite what's been divided. We give you our families and we say we want them to be a picture of your love. And we want them to establish your presence on the earth. And we agree with you in the Lord's prayer. And we say, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth, in our families, in our church as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you would like ministry, we want you to come forward. And as you go today, I just encourage you to really look at your families today, pray for your families today, take a step towards restoration today.